towards the end of uh, worship, and Becky started going, bah, bah, bah. I'm like, yeah, she's praying. Good, keep praying. <laughs> You'll need it for what's happening in this world. It's, uh, there's a lot of craziness going on. Um, kind of news are all around you. You hear about it. and uh, But I'm excited for, for what God's going to do. I was uh, watching a video this week of this uh, one prophet. And uh, every time you watch a video of a prophet, you're kind of like, uh, here we go again. Some doomsday, Obama's the Antichrist, craziness, world's going to end this year. But he didn't say stuff like that. He, uh, he said a lot of interesting things. He said um, one, th- one thing that kind of really uh, hit home with me as he said it. He's like, uh, America's going to enter into very difficult times. He's like, there's going to be very difficult times. He's like, and in that time, Christians are going to arise. It's a pretty broad prophecy that's what the bible says but you know i kind of i was listening to him and i was like hmm, it's a good good thing to think about you know kind of like are you are you ready for for that moment to hit in in america are you ready for for that to happen and then i was listening to a francis chan sermon and he just came back from india and he was saying he's like i'm sitting there he's like in india and i'm preaching to pastors that are over they're not even pastors, I guess. You, I don't know if you can call them apostles, but they, they're over hundreds of churches. These guys, they're not even pastors. They're just like overseers over hundreds of churches. And there's, you know, this room full of pastors. And he's preaching to them about how uh, being in persecution is actually not a bad thing. It's, it's a blessing from God to be in persecution. And he's preaching about it. Preacher from America, preaching to Indian pastors. And he said, and then, and then after the service, you know, he went to take a seat, and some guy, guy takes the mic and starts saying something in Indian, and it's translated, and pretty much what the pastor starts saying is he started calling up some of the pastors who have been persecuted for their faith, who have gone to jail, who have been beaten, and all these things. And these pastors started coming up on stage, and they started testifying of, you know, I was in jail, you know, for, for, for this many years, I was this. And Francis Chen is like, I'm sitting there, and I'm just embarrassed, because I live in America, and I just preach to them about how persecution is awesome, and I don't even really know what that is. And then, and, and then the pastor's like, you know, everybody raise your hand if you know if you've if you've gone to jail. And it's like almost, you know, the whole crowd, everybody raises their hand. And he's like, and he's like, you know, you know what it felt like? He's like, it's it's like when you go to a birthday party, and the and and the guy whose birthday part, you know, birthday it is, he's opening the gifts. And it's like, you know, he opens one gift, and it's like somebody sold their house to buy him that gift. Somebody sold him their car. It's like, I just went to the dollar store and bought you something from a dollar. It's like, that's what it felt like. You know, like, everybody does this amazing thing, and I'm kind of like, I'm not really doing much. That's kind of what I was thinking about, and um, it's interesting. The, uh, the place in the scripture that I wanted to preach from today is actually happened to be from today's Bible plan as well. But, um... We'll get into that a little bit later. But I wanted to start off in a book of Romans, chapter 10. Romans is a, it's a good book. There's a lot of meat in there. I think the church in Rome, they were very blessed in the biblical times. Because they're the only ones who had this, uh, had this letter. But uh, book of Romans chapter 10, and we're going to read uh, verses 14 
through 17. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And as it, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This is talking about uh, non-believers. It says, uh, how they shall, you know, it's pretty much saying, how can believers call on to God if they've never believed in, in God? You know, how can they believe if they've never heard of Him? And how can they hear unless somebody goes and preaches to them? And um, the, the title of this message is, I wanted to call it, The Feet and the Crown. And uh, this is the feet part. This is it saying, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. You know, and if we look back to uh, the moment when God, when God saved us, the moment when, when God opened our eyes, when He transformed everything inside of us, you know, in that moment we were filled with emotions, we were filled with excitement, we're like, God, we're going to go move mountains, God, we're going to open up 6,000 ministries, we're going to do all these amazing things, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop doing anything that doesn't involve you at all, and that's it, it's like I'm going to be in an incubator, and I'm just going to praise you all day long, and it's awesome, and, and you have this excitement, and, and it works for a while, then eventually reality kind of hits you, and you're like, oh, okay, Christianity's not that easy, it's a, it's a little bit more difficult than I thought, and if we think about the reason why why did God transform us? Why did God call us out from the darkness? Why why did God change our lives? Why did He touch us that that day? Why did He call on our names and and and, and bring us towards Him? Like what what was His plan? What was His purpose? And I don't know. The more I read Scripture, the more I see that that His purpose wasn't just to save me. His purpose isn't just to make it so that I, I, I feel great about myself. I'm like, wow, I'm saved. I'm, I'm a good Christian. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I feel like that's, that's not even his purpose. That's not even what he was trying to do. It's, that's just the first step is, 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 is saving me. But the more I read in Scripture, the more I read about uh, the things Jesus did, the more I re- we read about, about the things that, that the, the, the apostles did, the things that Paul did, John and all of them, the more we read about it, it seems like for them, it was more than just being saved. They were doing more than just kind of worrying about themselves all the time and making sure that, that you know, I'm, I'm right with God. And, you know, if, if I'm right with God, then it's all good. It's, it's like they weren't even satisfied with, with just being saved. They wanted more. And as, especially Paul, as we're, as we're reading these, these, uh, uh, his letters in, in our Bible plan, as we're reading the, the First Corinthians in our, in, our, uh, in, our, in our home group, you realize that it's almost like Paul just, his purpose in life was to preach. Everywhere that he went, his purpose in life was just to, to find people who, who are hungry for God and, and preach to them and, 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 and start a church in all these places that have never had churches before and then send them letters and, and talk to them and, and help them to grow in, in their faith and help them to, to grow in their belief in Jesus. It seemed like that's what the purpose of his life was. And when you read about Jesus, it's, it's the same thing. He came on this earth. He could have just 
been quiet and walked, you know, his whole life and, and just died like everybody else and not doing anything. But he decided to, to sacrifice himself. He decided to, to, to preach. He decided to, to find those 12 disciples that, that were hungry for him. He, 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 he went out. He went out to, you know, to, to the seas where they were fishing. He sought them out. He says, you know, come after me. I'll make you fishers of men. He's like, come after me. Come after me. And he sought these people and he found them. And that was the purpose of his life. I'm thinking, I'm like, maybe there's a trend going on here. Maybe there's something that we're missing in, uh, in today's Christianity and in, 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 you know, today's sermons that, 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 that we hear so often. It's, it seems like it's all about us all the time. It's always about us. Even uh, you, you listen to, to Christian songs, it's almost like it's always about us. It's like, you know, God, I want to do this. God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm, and I'm thinking back to the old song. The old song was always, were always like, God, you're awesome. God, you're this. God, you're so amazing. It's, it's like everything has shifted towards us. And it's not that those songs are bad. You know, they have their place. But that shouldn't be the focus. The focus should always be God and, 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 and His plans. And it seems like we've lost it a little bit. Or maybe we've lost it more than, than, than we should have. And I, I believe that He has a plan and He has a purpose for all of us. And, and I, I strongly believe that God has a plan for every person to, to save others. I don't, I don't think that Jesus just died just so that I can be saved and then I can live my whole life and die and, and not influence anybody. That would be, that would be foolish. There would be no point in that. In, uh, in Mark 16, verse 15, it says, And He says to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Acts 1.8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then, and then in today's plan, it says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. So over and over we see this trend where it's like if you're not preaching, if you're not influencing, if you're not speaking the truth into people's lives, it's almost like you're disobeying the Word of God. It's like you're ignoring this aspect of Christianity. You're ignoring these, these words that were spoken by Jesus, these words that were spoken, you know, that, that people have said, you know, with the Holy Spirit guiding them. It's like we're just avoiding that. We're ignoring it. And, and I think a, a part of that is because a lot of times we don't even realize how powerful this gospel is. I, don't, I think we, we look at our relatives, we look at our circumstances, that you know, we look at our coworkers who aren't saved, and we think, well, you know, that's a difficult case. You know, there's no way God's going to ever open up to them. There's no way God can actually do something in their lives. But we don't actually realize how powerful the gospel is. We don't realize how powerful God is. And I think because of that, a lot of times it just stops us and, and we're like, well, I'll just, I'll just pray for that person from a distance instead of believing in, in, in God's word, instead of believing in his promises, instead of believing in, in, in that scripture where it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be witnesses and you'll preach. And it, it doesn't necessarily mean everybody around you is going to be saved because, you know, even, even in Acts chapter 2, we read, you know, when the Holy Spirit came on and, and Peter preached and there were hundreds of people added to the church, even in that moment, there were people who were standing there and they were laughing at them and saying they probably got drunk this morning. So even in the most you know, powerful moment in history when the Holy Spirit came on the earth, there were people who still didn't believe in God. 
And we get discouraged when our coworkers don't believe. You know, when we've mentioned that we're Christians a couple times to them. You know, I think that, that I don't know if it's fear or, or whatever it is, but it cripples us. It, it, it stops us because we don't, we look at the circumstances, we look at what's around us instead of realizing that God is more powerful. Even Paul writes, he's like, I put my faith in things that are unseen, not in things that are seen, in things that are unseen. You know, everything around us is here today and gone tomorrow. You know, even, even Job said, he's like, I came into this world with nothing and I'll leave with nothing. That's how it works. Nothing, nothing around us really matters. We read that uh, over and over again in the Word of God. And we need to, to focus on, on those things that we don't see. We need to focus on, you know, and think about God and His power and how He's done miracles in other people's lives. So you, you know, and sometimes we don't even think about it. Even if, if you want, go ask Marina after, after youth. Ask her how, how her dad was before God really touched him. Go ask her, you know, what kind of things he was saying, you know. There's people all around us where we were tough cases. Pastor was a tough case. One moment, God just decided to touch him, and that's it. He's transformed, and God is able to do that to anybody, I believe. Even, even Judas, who betrayed Jesus, if he would have repented, I have no doubt that God would have forgave him, even though he betrayed the Son of God. Because Peter did the same exact thing, but Peter repented. Peter asked for forgiveness, and, and after that, he did miracles. So I don't think there's anybody that's impossible. I don't think there's anybody that, that, that you know, has something that's stronger than God inside of them. Because it says, he who is in us is stronger than he who is in this world. You know, when Elijah was up on the mountain with, you know, hundreds and thousands of false prophets, he was standing there alone, and he was victorious. Why? Because God was with him. Why? Because God decided that, you know what, today all of the false prophets, their miracles aren't going to work today. They're going to do the same things that they've done and they've worked before, but today I decided that they're not going to work because today I'm going to show my glory and I'm going to show everybody that I'm stronger. And that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God that, that, that lives in us and that's the kind of God that wants to use us in this world and, and use us for His glory. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This gospel, it's, it's, it's transformed us. It's done so much in our own lives, and it can do the same in anybody else. We just, a lot of times we lack that faith. We lack that, that faith that, that it's mighty. We lack that faith. We think that I go to this public school, and I'm like... Uh, sheep among wolves and they're just going to tear me apart and, and nothing's ever going to happen. You know, we lose that faith. We lose that belief. We lose that you know, childlike faith that, that the Bible calls us to have. You know, it's like, you know, this might not be the best example, but who here has ever lied to a kid? If you didn't raise up your hand, you just lied. So we're all liars. We've all lied to kids, and who, who actually lied to a kid to the point where the kid believed you? Hmm. Why is that? You know, it's because it's kids are very, in a way, they're very simple. You know, if, if they trust you, and you're, if you're older than them, and they know you, and they trust you, if you tell them something, they'll believe you. 
No, you know, I think when the Bible says we need to have childlike faith, I think that's what it, it doesn't mean that somebody's going to lie to us and we need to believe it, but it means that, you know, when God tells us something, a lot of times we don't believe it or, or, or we avoid it. We avoid, like in the, in the, with the story of Jonah, God tells him something and he's like, uh, I don't want to go to Nineveh. But that childlike faith, it's like when, 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 when God speaks something to you, you're like, wow, this... Jesus made it so that crippled people could walk again. And he didn't need any medicine. He didn't need any surgeries. He just did it. You know, nowadays, you know, we think that God only heals through, through medicine. He's like, you know, God used this doctor to, to, to heal this dude's leg. It's like, no, the doctor used his tools to, heal, you know, fix the guy's leg. You know, but God is mighty. He can just heal somebody. He can. My dad tells me the story. I don't know if I believe it yet, but I want to believe because it's a cool story. He says when he was a teenager, he worked at a shoe store. He worked at a, at a, at a shoe store, and this guy walks in, and he had uh, a one leg, and then the other leg was like chopped off at the ankle. I'm like, Dad, what? okay. And, and he's like, this guy walks into the store, and he's like, you know, I want to buy those shoes. And my dad's like, I, what happened to that thing? It fell. Okay. Our worship was too strong today. Anyways, and, and this guy walks in, he's like, I want those shoes. And my dad's like, you've got to buy both of them. I can't just give you half of the pair. He's like, that's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll buy both of them. And so he's like, do you want to try them on? He's like, sure. So he tries on the first shoe, it fits. And then, and then he's like, well, what do you want to do with the other foot? He's like, well, just, just put it down here. I'll, I'll kind of put. And, he, and my dad's words, not mine. And he says, he, he put his things here, and then his foot appears. I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know. My, my dad tells me these, these weird stories, but you know what, I believe we'll start seeing things like that you know when we walk in faith you know when when a difficult moment is going to come in you know and our faith is going to be tested and we're going to be in that situation that elijah was in you know i believe in in those moments stuff like that will happen stuff like that will happen where doctors will look at you and will be like this is not possible for this to happen and you'll say well with god it's possible you know it's that childlike faith that we lose as we grow older, as we, as we get smarter, as we get wiser, you know, we lose it because we know everything. We know how everything works. We know how the world works. We know how our bodies work, how these blood cells work, how flagellums work. We know everything. And, and, and because of that, you know, well, it's kind of hard to believe that God can do these miracles, but this is the Word of God. This is what He does. This is who He is. I think that's what we need to hold on to. And, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a Saturday that we had nothing planned. So we wake up in the morning, we're like, wow, we have a day where there's nothing planned. We have a free day today. And um, we're like, okay, so let's let's schedule something to do on this Saturday because it's free. So uh, we decided to go... Uh, look at a house we were in a situation where maybe we needed to move out and we're like okay let's go let's go let's go check out this this duplex this house so we go there we show up we walk in we're like yeah we don't like this house and we're like well the guy's staring at us we'll just be nice we'll go walk upstairs look through all the room rooms or whatever and then we go we walk downstairs and then we find out that the guy's a uh christian a Christian. It's funny, I feel like every time me and Susha go somewhere, somebody asks us, how long were you guys dating before you got married? 
Every single time, I don't know if you guys get asked that question. Every single time we get asked that question. How long were you guys dating before you got married? Like, um, we didn't date. And then, what? How did this happen? How is this possible? It's not normal in America. Then it's like, we have to explain every time. It's like, it isn't. It is normal. It is possible. It's, it's done. You're looking at a testimony of how it's done. And then, you know, we explain and we're like, well, we grew up together. We went to church. We've been here since we were eight. 10 years old, we grew up together, we know each other, I don't need to date her to confirm what God has told me already. And, and we find out the, the, the landlord that he's a, a Christian, and, and then we start, I think we started telling him about a mission trips that we've been on, and, and he's like, oh, he's like, you know, I don't like to, to share my faith, because it makes people feel uncomfortable, and, and, then mo- and at that moment, we're kind of like, I don't, I don't it's like you want to say something, but you're like, I just want to get out of here, just whatever. And then we're kind of like, oh, well, you know, we still do. We do all these things, and it's important to, to be strong. But it's like you didn't say as much as you could have or as much as you should have. Or, or it's like you're driving back home after, and you're thinking, I will never see this guy ever again in my life. I could have just made a complete fool of myself in his eyes and told him everything, and he'll never see me again. And, and, and God would have been pleased because I, I told him the truth and I, and I told him everything that he needed to hear about his kind of Christianity. And you're looking at that situation and you're like, man, I, I missed it. You know, it's like I missed the mark. That, that moment right there, it's like I wasn't ready. You know, it says, you know, we read in Romans, it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach. And, you know, it's, it's easier to go and preach when, you know, as a group we're all planning to go to Everett or we're all planning to go to Seattle because it's like, okay, I'm like, okay, this Saturday I'm going to go preach. And you start preparing like two weeks in advance. You're like, okay, I need to start thinking of things to say when, when, when people have this argument towards me. I need to have this thing to say back and, and, you know, this is how this works. And we start preparing for it. We start thinking. And then when we go out in the streets, to a certain extent, we know what to say. We're, we're prepared. We're, we're like, okay, this is why we came out here. Now, on an everyday basis, it's not always like that. Because we're, if we're not prepared, when a situation rises up, we can't do anything. It's like our arms are tied behind our backs because we weren't expecting it. We're not ready. It's like a, it's a surprise attack. And we're kind of like, uh, 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 uh. And then we're driving back home and we're like, you should have said this. I could have said this. Oh, I missed this. I could have said this. This would have shut him up and made him believe in God. So that, that preparedness, you know, sometime, some time ago I preached about the, the armor of God and, and it says, you know, we need to put on those shoes of, of, of readiness for the gospel of peace. You know, those shoes of, of readiness for the gospel. You know, those shoes were, you know, where we're always ready to preach. You know, it's, I think it's something that, that needs to change in our minds. You know, it's like, it's like when we're at work or, or when we're at school, when we have these things planned, our brain is already functioning in a certain way. It's like, we, you, know, we, you know, we need to go to work, we need to do this, this, and this, and that's it. And when something weird comes up or unusual, we're not prepared for it. Or, you know, when an opportunity arises where we need to preach, a lot of times we're not prepared for it. Or maybe we're not fully prepared for it. You know, sometimes we're like, well, I'm a Christian, and we start saying something, but it's still not 
you know, the best of, of, of what we could have said because we're not fully prepared. We're not always in that mentality and that mindset where I'm like, okay, I'm going to work right now, but some weird customer might call me and, and I'll just feel that I need to preach to them. So I need to be ready for this moment if it comes. You know, I need to get, I need to be, you know, okay, I need to be ready for this moment where I might have to talk to this customer and I might preach the gospel. And even if my company doesn't allow it, I might get fired, but I'll know for sure that this is what God's calling me to do and, and I'm ready to do it if it happens. You know, when you go to work with that kind of mindset every morning, and you know, and you're thinking about it throughout your day, then you're prepared for those moments when they rise up. Then you're ready because you're, it's, it's like you're always alert. It's like, you know, if you know somebody, if you know a thief is going to, you know, come into your house at 10 p.m. and steal something, what are you going to do around 10 p.m.? Are you going to be like, it's 10 p.m., time to go to sleep? No. What are you going to do? You're waiting there by the door with a baseball bat. And you're like, okay, just walk in. Just walk in, just peep your head through. I'm just wait, boom. You're waiting for it. You're prepared. You know what's happening and you know it's going to come eventually. And even if it's, you know, even if it's 10.01, if it's 10.02, if it's 10.03, you still know it's coming and, and, and you're still prepared for it. You're waiting for that moment. How is this any different? How, you know, who has been in that kind of situation where you didn't say what you should have? I mean... We've all been in those situations where somebody comes up to us and it's like, it's like they're looking us in the eyes and they're waiting for us to, to, to give them the gospel. They're waiting for us to just give them the truth. They're waiting for us to tell them that their view of Christianity is flawed. Their view of Christianity is idolatry and they've created a God that just loves them for who they are and they don't ever have to change. It's like they're waiting for somebody to tell them otherwise. And we just miss the mark and we're like, well... You know, that's one quality of God, but there's another quality where he's got... No, it's... Let's open up the book of Revelations where, you know, that sword is coming out of, you know, Jesus' mouth. Let's open up that place in Scripture. What do you think that means? You know, what, what kind of... Is that the kind of Jesus that, you know, is walking around with kids and lambs around his neck and, and you know, you know is, hap, is nice to everybody? Even that image of Je- Israel, it's hot. And we have an image of Jesus with a lamb on his neck all the time. It's hot. There's wool on the sheep. And we have this image of this is what Jesus looks like. It's true. In, in America, it's like that's the image of Jesus. That's who he is. He's a nice guy. He walks up to the kids. He high-fives them. He plays with the kids. He's like, hey, you, you're saved. That's the image of Jesus that we see, and that's what most Christians see nowadays. And we know the truth. We know that that's not what it is. And a lot of times people are just waiting. They're waiting for somebody to tell them otherwise. They're waiting for somebody to tell them that, 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 that Jesus has eyes of fire, and, and you know, his hair is like wool, and he's, you know, he'll judge anybody who's not praising him or who's glorifying him. Put on those, those, those feet of prepare, prep, preparation of the gospel of peace. I want us to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is what we read today in the Bible plan. This is what we read this week at our Bible study. It's interesting how that worked because this is the place that really came to me. It's verses... Uh, 24 through 27, the last verses of the chapter. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? 
Then run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now if they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. This whole chapter, he's talking about how his ministry works. He talks about how he's an apostle. He talks about how he preaches to others, how this is what he does. He says that when he's with the Jews, he acts like a Jew so that he can preach to them. When he's with the Gentiles, he acts like a Gentile so that he can preach to them. So the whole time he's talking about preaching to people, the whole time he's talking about evangelizing, and then all of a sudden he's talking about running in a race. And I always looked at the scripture and I thought, okay, I'm like running in a race. It kind of means that, you know, you know, that prize that I'm trying to get for is, is you know, I'm trying to get saved, and because of that, I need to have self-control. I need to train my body so that, you know, I, I don't fall off, so that my character is strong, and so that I stay faithful until the end. That's how I always looked at the Scripture, but then, okay, but that doesn't make any sense because he's talking about evangelizing. He's talking about preaching to people, and then all of a sudden, he moves into self-control. And then I read the last verse. says, the, the last part of the verse, it says, When I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And I started thinking, I'm like, maybe this crown that he's talking about Maybe this is the fruit that he sees in his life. Maybe this crown that he's talking about, maybe this is the, the, the people that have been saved through his ministry because that's the only thing that, you know, souls never die. Souls are eternal. You know, whether you go to heaven or hell, you're going to be there forever. That's an imperishable crown. That's something that lasts forever. That's something that doesn't ever go away. And, and, and he's talking about how, how he's running in such a way to, to win this prize, to win this crown that doesn't fade away, to win this crown that, that, never, that will never disappear. You know, or I think it says trophy in the you know, NIV or maybe, or, but this prize, this prize that is going to be there for all of eternity. And this whole chapter, he's talking about evangelizing. He's talking about preaching. And the first question that, that comes up to me is with, with this, you know, verse 24. Those who run in a race, only one receives the prize. And it says, run in such a way that you may obtain it. So run in a way to win the prize. And the first question is, what race am I even running in? What am I running towards? What prize am I chasing? What is, you know, what is my life all about? You know, am I chasing a... Uh, a career? Am I chasing a person? Is what? What is that prize that I'm running after? You know, what is the goal of? What is the purpose of my life today? What is? If I look ten years from now, where do I want to be ten years from now? What do I want to be doing? What do I want to say about myself ten years from now? Do I want to say that hey, I got a master's degree in this and this and this, and it's great. I'm a doctor now. Or do I want to say hey, I've been to Mexico forty-five times, and you know. Believe it or not, with our youth, we planted a church down there, and it's growing, and all these amazing things. That's the, I'd rather talk about that kind of stuff, because that's stuff that's eternal. That's stuff that's never going to fade. That's people's lives that are the most precious thing in this world, so precious that God gave His only Son for, for these very souls. That's, that's imperishable. That's what I want to run towards that's what that's what i want the prize to be not so not so that i look at me i'm this amazing doctor look at me i'm this amazing whatever fill in the blank 
You know, it's like we see those Jesus is blank stickers. You know, it's like, you know, fill in the blank. What is that purpose in your life? What is that, that crown that you're running towards and that you see? Reading through all of these letters, this is what Paul did everywhere. This is what he did. This is what his life was about. This is what his purpose in life was. And I think that's what God's calling every single one of us to do as well, to, to, to run for that prize, to run for, 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 for that goal in our lives, you know, to have that as, you know, the, that's the end result. That's what I want to see. I want to see, you know, how many people can be saved through my ministry. You know, how many lives can I actually influence you know, all around me, all the time. You know, what can I actually do in this world that, that will have an a everlasting result? What can I actually do? What can I actually say that, that, that will do that? And we're going we're gonna to pray soon. I Pretty much, I know it's simple, I know it's short, but that's, that's the gist, that's what was on my heart that's what I wanted to share to I don't know to to preach to always be ready to preach to always be ready to 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 tell the truth to somebody to always be ready to glorify God every day that we live and you know with whoever we're talking to and we're gonna pray soon and then we're gonna have a harvest harvest prayer and we're gonna pray about Mexico and you know this is what we're doing no, this is what we're doing in Mexico. This is what. This is the purpose of all these trips that we go to. We want to do something more than just work every day of our lives. Work, you know, Monday through Friday through Saturday, and just work and never do anything. We want to do something. We want to see a lasting change. You know, I think it would be healthy for every single person to to go on a trip somewhere because it really opens up your eyes when you. When you, when you look at people and you're like, wow, they have nothing and yet it seems like they're happier than me sometimes. They have nothing and, and they don't have a, a problem with, with covetousness. They don't have a problem with wanting stuff that they don't, they don't have. Where in America we have so much and yet we're still like, I need that. I need that. Every commercial we watch, we're like, I need that. Next commercial, I need that too. Next commercial, I need that too. Spend all this time in, in, in stores on, on Amazon, on eBay, whatever, and we like we need, we need, we need. And you look at these people, they have nothing and they're happy and they're praising God. And sometimes you're like, I, I just want to move there and have that simple of a life. So I could fully focus on God and that's it. But I believe it's possible here in America. I believe it's possible to to be in that kind of mindset. And I think that's where God is leading Christians in America slowly, leading them to that point where they just die to everything in this world, where they just die to, to all the things of this world, all the material things of this world, everything this world has to offer. You know, there was this example of a, if you sneak up on somebody and you scream in their ear, most of the time they're going to jump, they're going to get startled. If you do the same to a dead person, what kind of reaction is the dead person going to have? He's going to have no reaction. He's dead. Come on, guys. 
you should <laughs> really go, okay, hold on. It's a tricky question. Dead person doesn't do anything. He, he doesn't care. He can't even care even if you want it anymore. That's what we need to be towards this world, just dead, cut off. Things that we have, they're not even ours. We're just using them and that's it. We're not even attached to them. And it's possible here in America and we'll get there. Just keep running, keep striving and keep, keep chasing that purpose. And let's just stand up and we'll just begin to pray about this and then we'll uh, go into Harvest Prayer and begin to pray about Mexico. And we'll do that like we usually do. If it's, uh, if it's on your heart, something specifically about Mexico, just grab the mic and pray. But before that, let's just, uh, once again, just ask God to, to lead us. We'll just ask God to, to, to speak to us. If we're running a wrong race, if we're on the wrong path, if we have the wrong goals in our life, God, we just pray, speak to us right now, God. Speak to us, God. Just God, give us that, that, that sober-mindedness, God. Help us to, to, to see things, God, the way they are, God, without our emotions, God, without our feelings, God. Help us just to see our lives, God, the way that you see it, God, the way that you see it.